all of us. Everyone at the state's academic medical center. All working together to deliver complete care now and for generations to come. All over the state, including hospital and clinic locations from the Delta to the Gulf Coast. All for one reason. You. The University of Mississippi Medical Center. All for your health. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Contractor ever tell you the price of something and it sounds so high you think, "Eh, maybe I'll try it myself. Some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. Good morning. This is Relatively Speaking, the show all about you and your family. And I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, Professor of Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Well, today we're going to talk about love language. That's the term that refers to the way a person expresses their love to someone. So we all have preferences of how we like to have that appreciation expressed. Typically, we talk about love language in the context of our love partner. But today, I really want to expand it further. Uh, We'll be talking about how we use it for anyone that you care about and how you can and why it's important to understand what love language is and and how to use it, and how to make sure that as you're using it, that that you truly are doing what that person that you're trying to express the love to, what they really want, and what resonates with them, okay? So stay with me for a minute. You're probably wondering where in the world that term even comes from, and it, it actually was a term that was coined back in the early 1990s by uh, a marriage and family counselor, Gary Chapman. So he, what happened is he realized in his practice, and many of us do this, you kind of go over what's happening over and over again in your practice, and he realized that over the last 30 years, he kept having the same themes come up, the same issues that kept coming up over and over in different marriages, different different couples seem to keep having sort of that same thing. So he sat down and he he went over all of his notes and and decided that what was going on was many times couples were not getting what they thought they needed in the relationship. Okay. And so what happened is they kind of the the what couples really wanted, he found was that they needed this love affirmation. But how, what they needed was a little different for each individual. And so he divided it into five different groups that he called this love language. And uh, he wrote a book about it, actually, and it was very popular. But, but the five different groups of love language were 
words of affirmation. So that was like compliments. Um, Oh, you look so pretty today. Or I like the way you're wearing your hair. Or that was such a wonderful thing that you did. Whatever. Words of affirmation. Okay. The second one is quality time so that their partner gives them or gave them individual quality time. So when they walk in from work tired, the wife um, doesn't run to get on her phone, but she uh, sits down and talks about how the day went, for example. Or when, when your child gets home from school, that mom gives or dad gives that child some individual, their own kind of time before they say, go get to your homework or whatever. Okay, receiving gifts, of course, is the third. I think everybody thinks that love affirmation means that you get great, big, expensive gifts. But just gifts, symbols of love, flowers, chocolates, you know, jewelry, whatever, um, can be a language of love. Acts of service is a fourth. So by acts of service, if somebody always, it's their job to always take out the garbage, then perhaps that morning the other gets up and takes the garbage out. I know that sounds tiny, but those little little gestures can make a big difference in the way one feels as far as being appreciated, Okay. And then the physical touch, and we talk about that often. That's the fifth language piece of, of love. Um, and physical touch can be anything from having sex to holding hands, kissing, to whatever. So if you're talking about love language for a child, just a pat on the shoulder or a, a pat on the knee to say, good, good try, way to go, um, or a high five. Any of those can be. So if you think about it, I want you to start thinking about listeners. What is, what, what is your best love language? How do you do with it? Number one, do you feel like you're giving those bits and pieces of communication that you really love somebody, you care about them, they mean something to you? Do you feel like you're really feeding them perhaps what they need? Because what Dr. Chapman found was that many times it wasn't the lack of a big present, say, at the holidays, at Christmas, or a, a expensive birthday present that that upset someone if they didn't get it. That was not it. It was the smaller affirmations of love that that really need to happen over and over again and and with probably greater frequency than I think any of us realize. Okay? So let's go a little bit bit further. Um, when you when you are looking at this do you do you really think that you as a person need those gestures of love or that 
kind of love language. And I'd like to hear from you listeners about where you think I'm going with this. I have a movie example that uh, I'll talk about in a few minutes. But before we get to that, I just I want us to think through, do you have bits of communication of your spouse's love or your child's love or your best friend's? Have there been gestures out there that meant so much to you? And as you think through this, that these are things that you probably should be doing more. I'd love to hear some examples from you about that love language that has come to you and perhaps the love language that you have given to someone else. So before we go further, though, with the love language, I think you probably, hopefully, understand what I'm talking about, those small gestures of love. I want to talk about something that is not the same thing and something that can be a sign of a negative or or bad relationship, and that's a practice called love bombing. Bombing, like B-O-M-B-I-N-G, bombing. Um, That's the practice of showing a person excessive affection and, and attention as a way of trying to manipulate their behavior or manipulate them in a relationship. So, you know, obviously, this is a a term, love bombing is a term that's used in a negative way. So typically, um, one of those, the love bombing can be with romantic partners, but it could also be with a parent to a child to try to manipulate, or uh, a friend to another friend to try to manipulate that friendship so that they then can become the most important person in that individual's life and try to give the misperception that perhaps that individual that's getting bombed with all this wonderful love, that they can't do without them. So it it almost can be... Uh, in the context of an abusive relationship. So let me give you an example. Um, You might have, say, a heterosexual couple in a relationship, and um, one is abusive to the other, whether it's emotional or physically uh, abusive. So that incident happens. uh, There's upset. There's threat of breakup. And then all of a sudden, there is this individual who is showering gifts, compliments, um, individual time, wants to be with that individual continually. So just just consuming the individual with, with love. So then with these love gestures, not necessarily love, right? And so then what happens is that individual all of a sudden goes, wait a minute, this person is so good to me. They are so kind to me. Maybe maybe what I thought was emotional abuse, maybe what I thought was meanness or hatefulness was my imagination, and I'm being overly sensitive. So you can see how one would get 
from from one relationship to to another and how that could be a, a pattern of manipulative behavior, that love bombing. So I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the, lo- the language of love and how we communicate that language of love. So, listeners, give us a call. Tell us, how do you do that to your loved ones? How do you do it for your children or perhaps even your parent? Or how do you, as a parent, um, do it for some other significant person in your life. I'd like to hear from you and hear what you view as perhaps one of those ways to communicate that you love without um, the the sexual or perhaps without even a, a monetary gift, a gift that really costs something. Let's talk about love language in a different context. We've talked about the the five major pieces of that love language and and how it doesn't have to be a monetary gift um, by any means. And so what they are, as a reminder, words of affirmation, quality time, receiving gifts, acts of service, and physical touch. Now, we've talked in the past about physical touch, and I will just remind you that that can be one of the most important signs of caring and and gestures. Um, We've talked in the past about how physical touch can often diffuse an argument, how physical touch can can often make one feel better connected to another. And it can also give great calming to some. So just that hug, just count to eight and give a hug to someone. Um, don't count to eight first. Give a hug to someone and count to eight. Many times that can be a very positive feeling gesture. Not doesn't cost anything, right? Cost about eight to ten seconds at the most, but many times it can make a big difference. We've talked about other acts of love and acts of kindness, that love language, might be to just smile at someone. How many times have you been with someone that you really loved and really cared about, but they kind of were scowly that day and kind of not such a terribly pleasant look in their face? And and you were sitting there going, hmm, I wonder why that person's not smiling. Could it perhaps be directed at me? Could it perhaps be something that I did? So keep in mind, sometimes um, love language is necessary just to keep someone from feeling negative about what's going on right then. Um, It doesn't take but a second of thought to make sure that you are presenting yourself in the best positive way you can for someone else. So so having having that language of love, remembering that what you're doing around affects people around you and especially if you really care about them to make sure that you remind them on a regular basis 
that you care about them. Right. Okay. Well, I, let's go on to the phones. We have our first caller, um, Becky in Jackson. Well, hey, good morning. I just love the way that you always talk about the things that are so important. And when you talk about when you're mad with your daughter or your son or whoever it is, if you give them a hug and count to ten, <laughs> I think you could melt all that anger. And I, I love the way that you um, you give us help, helpful hints and suggestions. <laughs> well, thank you, Becky. Thanks. Um, because you are, it really does make a difference. The other thing that, that works is if neither of you are up to a hug yet, uh, the other thing that has been shown to be very helpful in when couples argue, and it certainly works for kids, is to reach out and just hold their hand when you're talking about something or touch the top of their hand um, to to just make that connection, to let them know, you know, what is the first thing that we do when we are having a disagreement? Mostly, what? that person you want to separate that person exactly exactly you step back you move apart you fold your arms right um right and so that's the worst thing you can do to try to step through something to resolve it and if the best thing that you can do is is to just say you know hold the hand let's have a hug we can talk about this when we're both calmer. Sometimes, right, is, is um, to me, a gesture of love. That means I care enough to work through this. Yeah. And the more you do it, the easier it gets. I have been widowed for, what, two years? And I've got stage four cancer, but to, uh, for the weekend, I, because we didn't have any water in Jackson, I went up to see a high school friend who is just now dealing with breast cancer. And just to be around her, it's like we hadn't seen each other probably since the last reunion. And it was like we picked right up where we left off. But I wanted to be there for her to know that I've been through everything she's going through and that she can do this, you know, that. I just wanted to ease the burden, but my daughter has assured me that my love language is gifting, but I don't necessarily agree with her. I think gifting just comes along with with my, you know, um, I guess mine would be, I don't even know, I think, okay, what I'm saying is that most people think their love language is, is one thing. Right. It can be. A variety, and it can be the one you least expect. Like when Anna said, "You know, uh, yours is giving," and I'm like, "I don't think that's my love language." (laughs) Well, it may be part of your love language, Becky. You just said something that you are absolutely right about, and that is that typically we don't have just one love language we have we we use all five and we value all five of those that we talked about time commitment what you are doing for your friend um who is is new into dealing with cancer and by the way becky um prayers with you and positive thoughts going your way because i know that's a a tough road but to 
to take what you are burdened with and to turn around and support someone else is an incredible gift. So that's a gift of time, right? It, it really is. And forgiveness, I always say, is a gift that you give yourself. You know, forgiveness is a gift you give yourself. Mm. Like when you're angry, if you forgive, that eases the bur- eases the burden on you, and and it, and it, it makes way, you know, for you to love better. So. Um, I just love listening to you. I just want to say thank you for your show. And uh, you're always so kind and, and so loving, and, and I think it spreads. You know, I think uh, smiling is infectious. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much, Becky. And your friend is lucky to have you. So good luck with your illness, and, and good luck to her. Thank you for calling. Um, I Stay listening because I want to um, to continue uh, another point that you brought up: forgiveness. As we're we're talking, that is another gesture of love and caring. Because if um, if you can forgive someone, that again means whatever it was that you care about them enough to forgive them and and let go of whatever it is but you mentioned it's a gift to yourself also and that is absolutely right as we have talked about we've we've had another show um and it's on podcast about forgiveness and relatively speaking and how how staying angry and not forgiving someone even if you had a right to be upset and angry but but holding on to those negative feelings and not allowing yourself to forgive is terrible for you because that kind of upset and anger is is terrible on your physical health. It's bad on your mental health, but it's also terrible on your physical health because what it does is it pushes, it drives down those levels of positive hormones, those endorphins and the serotonin and the dopamine, they they aren't released because if you continue to have those negative feelings, it it does not allow your brain to get in a positive place. And so I'm glad you mentioned that. That is that is another modality that we have to keep in mind as we're trying to have good love language. Because I'm dare say that we could all come up with something that a parent did that we wouldn't feel like, gosh, can we forgive that? Or perhaps a child did. Or maybe this close friend who did something that perhaps you couldn't forgive and you let it eat away at you. Then that that takes away from the relationship and it takes away from the love language because if you're upset, you're not going to be reaching out to someone, you're not going to be... Um, giving them those hugs, you're not going to give them those smiles that that we need. So, Becky, thank you for letting me tag that other piece on. Um, And again, good luck to you. All right. Um, Well, before we get to our next caller, I want to tell you a little bit about this movie real quickly, and then we'll get to Sue. Um, 
So there, there was a movie that was on a few years ago um, with Rob Brown and Sean Connery. And I just love Sean Connery. I'll just have to say that. But it was called Finding Forrester. And it was about a young guy, Jamal Wallace, who was Rob Brown. He was an inner city kid from the Bronx, and he was um, a basketball player and a genius at writing, highly talented, but but a C student, kind of. Um, but he um, he was found after he scored very high on a, on a test, on a standardized test by a prestigious New York City prep school. And um, and was taken into the school. And then um, he decided that he wanted to um, reach out to a Pulitzer Prize winning author who was um, William Forrester. That was Sean Connery. And so Jamal pursues his dreams on and off the court while he's writing. And he is develops this wonderful relationship with Forrester, this Pulitzer Prize winner who's become a recluse. And he's not interested in anybody except this kid. And they develop this wonderful relationship. And something he said in the movie, um, I think, was sort of a springboard about the love language. And he said, listen to this, the key to a woman's heart is to give her an unexpected gift at an unexpected time. Okay? Did y'all hear that? The key to a woman's heart is to give her an unexpected gift at an unexpected time. Well, you know, what I'd like for us to do is to expand that. I was talking to uh, a cousin of mine I was visiting and her husband, and he brought this this line up that Forrester said, and he challenged his office to think about it in more general terms, broader terms. And that's what I'd like to challenge all of our listeners to do. When you when you expect to receive a gift, and you do, that's great, right? But what if you don't expect anything at all? And someone has thought about you enough to want you to to want to give you a gift just because just because they care about you just because they love you just because they thought about you they wanted to do something special for you okay doesn't have to cost a lot doesn't have to be much but that unexpected unexpected gift at an unexpected time it could be a rose picked from your rose garden or it could be a two-line poem that you wrote Think about it. We'll come back to that in a minute. But let's get back to the phones. Hi, Sue. So Sue's with us from Beaumont. Hi, Sue. Hello. I'm an old lady. And, and this is what I found out about, about love. Uh, love is just a four-letter word if you don't exercise it. I know a woman who, who has a husband who gets up and before she goes to work every day. He goes out. He checks oil in her car. He checks the air pressure in her tires. He checks the car to make sure it's safe for her to drive it. To me, that's love. That, that's, that's an expression of love. And then he goes out in the springtime when the first flowers start blooming by the side of the road. He'll bring her a little bouquet of wildflowers. That breaks my heart because she, she, she just, you know, she just kind of looks at him and ignores him. But all the other women <laughs> know her. Just go, oh, my God. You know. 
that's love. To me, that's love to do something unexpected and tender like that. It is. It and is. And then I had a, I was, I'm in a wheelchair and I was down, really down one time. And this woman came to visit and she brought her husband. And uh, I was sitting there, you know, moping around and he asked if I had a hairbrush and I thought he'd go hand it to his wife. He very, he very tenderly, calm, he, he brushed through my hair. I wanted to cry. That was it, it, the human touch mm-hmm. is so important mm-hmm. to everybody. You, 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 when you get old and you don't get much hugs or approbation from anybody, to have somebody to come and just comb your hair, brush your hair out for you. <laughs> I said, "Are you married?" <laughs> That's why I was standing right there. <laughs> but, uh, it, it, the human touch is so important to everybody, but it's not. It's not having big bouquets of flowers or that you go to the floors for is picking flowers by the side of the road and thinking enough to bring them home to your wife, you know. But uh, what, women, women who have men like that don't appreciate them because they're used to it, you know. That's uh, So you you brought tears to my eyes when, when you were telling about that man um, taking the brush and brushing your hair. Yeah. What a kind, sweet, simple gesture. Yes. I just, if we had more individuals who thought that way, and you may be right, I hope, you know, I would love to hear from others out there. I do hope that um, when there are those gentle gestures that that if if a woman or a man has someone in their life who does those, please notice them and please thank them for those gestures because those are so important. And, you know, those individuals who are doing that kind of thing, they need it back. They do. But, um, so you mentioned the man who checks the oil and um, makes sure the car is safe, that that's right. a love gesture and you're... You're absolutely right. Those are those um, things that cost time. They do. They cost a little effort and a little bit of time, but they are making sure that someone they care about is safe. That's a love gesture. That is love language. It's the same kind of thing that that parents do when they stay, the majority, when they stay up at night waiting for their child to come home to make sure they arrive safely. I don't think it's trying to catch them coming in late on curfew the majority of the time. It's just loving them enough to to stay awake and make sure that they're okay when they come in, right? Right. So simple things. But, um, Sue, I I hope you made people stop and think about how simple the gestures can be and how much we need to make sure that we are appreciating others as we're going along. So thank you for that call. That was a another wonderful example. Today we're talking about love language, and what is that? It's not just gifts on birthdays and Valentine's Day. You know, we talk about Valentine's Day a lot, and um, it seems like um, the florists run out of flowers at the time. People scurry about buying cards. But do you do just tiny gestures small gestures, or even a big one sometimes, um, when it's unexpected. 
That's such a great thing to do and good, good for individuals to know that they're appreciated. Good for you to receive it, right? And so um, throw out to you, what, what makes you feel good? What makes you feel loved and appreciated? Not necessarily or maybe but from your partner or significant other, but also what about you as a child or a, 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 a parent um, what makes you feel good and appreciated? I'd love to hear from you about that. Let us know so others can find out, right? Um, maybe they can use your tip. I think we've already had a couple of callers who have given some really excellent tips on what what those gestures can be. And it, it may be reaching out to a sick friend. It may be just going over and holding their hand for a bit. All right, we're going to go back to the phones. We have Richard in Flowood. Hi, Richard. Thanks for calling. Hey, Dr. Buttress. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Um, I've, I was in ministry for a good long time, and I learned, uh, it took me a little while to, to learn it, but I learned that uh, a very important piece of, of human communication is learning to listen um, visiting, visiting people who were ill or seeing people in nursing homes or even going to the home of someone who, who was um, dealing with a, a recent grief or loss. Um, it was so important that I not arrive with a, a big speech, but that I arrive ready to be present to them and listen. And I think sometimes we can get so busy that we uh, we we don't have time to to listen, um, give mm-hmm. attention. You you know you said earlier something about how how important it is to give the time. Uh, that's that's what we have to give. Well, you know it takes some energy to listen. So anyway, that's my contribution. Yeah, you know, Richard, thank you for that because. Um, you just said something. It takes energy to listen. It it really does, and it takes it takes inhibition to listen. And let me let me just explain. I know you know exactly what I'm talking about, Richard, because um, you said it takes energy. That inhibition means that you have to make yourself make yourself stop and really be quiet. And allow yourself to really look at that individual, hear their words before you respond. And I think, um, Richard, probably in in your ministry, you found that, or maybe you did this in the very beginning. And I am sure that that I did a lot of this in my early practice. Is that you desperately want to fix things. And so you are, instead of really listening, what you're doing is you're formulating a solution before you let the person communicate all the way through. And so then you many times sort of miss out on what what they're really telling you. And so the the discipline of making yourself stop and listen all the way through 
is probably one of those skills that I don't think it's very well taught. I know it was not taught in medical school. I will say that. Was it taught well in um, in your ministry when you when you were in seminary? Well, yeah, I think it was, but. Um, you know, some sometimes when you're first ordained and you're out there, you think you're the gift of God to the world, you know, <laughs> that nobody's been there before you uh, uh-huh. or, or like you. And uh, I, I'm, I'm really glad I got over that. Uh, I don't remember how I did. Maybe it was just in bits and pieces, but little by little I understood that it, my presence was the most important thing and my attention yeah. was the most important thing, not what I said. I got to, I, when I went to funeral homes, I quit saying things. I just hugged people. Yeah. I just uh, uh, wanted them to know I was there with them. And I thought that was a gift of, of uh, when maybe what they needed most, especially if they were an introvert. <laughs> so, Right. Um, and, you know, so many times we've talked about this on air at the last couple of shows, I believe, but... Um, you know, I um, I can say that um, so many times people feel that they just have to say something um, like, oh, she was suffering, so it's good that she's gone. Or, so, you know, she had such a long life, you should be grateful for that. Or whatever, whatever. When the reality of it is, is the presence, I... I think the most valuable thing I received when I've had losses, the most recent is my mother, is just for somebody to be there. Like you said, that presence, that they they were there for you. Um, and they, they wanted to be there for you. And so you don't have to say anything. Um, that is a gift to me. And so I'm glad you, you helped us talk through that too. Listening is a gift. And that that quality time is a gift. And so many times, um, children, I will say, what children need more than anything often is that quality time spent with an individual. Something that I think parents in our crazy busy world right now forget that that is a language of love to sit down and read that child a book, no matter how old they are. I can remember one of my fondest memories with my with with my oldest son was us reading a book together, just reading. He would read, I would read. He would read, I would read. And he was, I can't remember, I think he was in the fifth grade. Um and I think it was Moby Dick. Um, for whatever reason, I have a vision of that. And um, just that time, we weren't coming up with a a plan. It wasn't a book that I had bought him. It was a required reading book, I think. But we were just doing it for having fun. So anyway, I went off on a tangent on quality time, but Richard, thanks for your call. I really appreciate you, and and thank you for your ministry. I think we forget so many times to tell tell our those in the religious orders, whatever it is, um, how much. I know sometimes it's not an easy life because so many times people are leaning on you, 
and sometimes you need somebody to give you that gift of listening, right? So, right. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you for your program. Well, thank much. you. Thank you, Richard, for calling. All right. Well, we have a few minutes. We have enough time for other callers, so feel free to jump in if you have some other thoughts about that love language that so many of us need. You can send an email to family at mpbonline.org. So let's go a, a little bit further about what love language and love giving those gestures can do for you. So, you know, I think that next next week we'll be talking about a much more serious topic um, than this, though I think this is a very serious topic. Next week we'll be talking about suicide and suicide prevention, and, and that is something that is very tough to talk about. Um, but what I want to remind everybody is that many times individuals out there um, just need to feel cared about and just need to know that somebody is there for them. So if, if there is somebody out there who maybe is in need, it's a wonderful thing to reach out to them. You know, we've talked about the value of, of a hug, the value of a positive word, the value of a smile. Um, how many times have you been walking down the street and you look at somebody and they look up and they smile at you and, and say hello? And it makes you instantly feel good, right? You typically feel the urge to smile back and say, hello, how are you also? So to keep in mind how you could touch somebody with that positive language very quickly and make a difference in someone's life when you didn't even realize that you were doing it. You were just being yourself. So so think about that as you, you move through the day. Okay. We're going to go to our final caller. We have Kat from Mobile. Hi, Kat. Thanks for calling. Good morning. Good morning. So really quickly, um, and it's so funny that it's right on track with what you were saying. Um, I was speaking with my grandmother recently, and I told her something simple. I meant it. It was very genuine. But I was, um, I think I just told her that you do a lot for people. You really do a lot of things, and I appreciate you. And that really got to her. She, she said she almost started crying. And I was like, you know, why? But it's so interesting how something so small, like you said, so meaningful can help somebody be seen. I think a lot of times we don't feel seen or appreciated. Mm. And so just something that small, not even thinking about it, changed her day. And so just being more mindful to give people their flowers while they're here, especially like matriarchs or patriarchs of the family. Oftentimes people that do a lot for others are wanting that type of love. In return, we love people the way we want to be loved, but oftentimes, you know, we just forget to do those small things. So that's all I had. Um, Your programs are always very fruitful and very full, Um, so I just thank you for what y'all are doing. Thank you, Kat. Thank you so much. I'm going to repeat what you said. She said, give 
people flowers while they're living. And I would like to remind everybody how how special that thought is. Because if if we, you know, when someone dies, we tend to do a beautiful job, and they're much appreciated to send, you know, send flowers. But but for for Kat's grandmother, think about how much that meant to her to hear from her granddaughter that her granddaughter noticed that she did things for other people, that she was a giving person, and how that made her feel. So those gestures, those small gestures, those small comments to try to remember, don't don't be one of those love bombers who's manipulating people, but to, to when it's appropriate, to make sure you compliment individuals who are doing good things. Make sure that you let them notice. It might be your your grandmother or your aunt or your uncle, or it may be it may be your child. But to remember to to give them those positive pats, those hugs, you know, it'd be really okay just when your husband walks in the door or when you walk in the door to run up and and give that significant other a big hug and say, and if they say, what in the world are you doing? Say, I'm giving you a hug because I love you. That's all you have to say. I'm hugging you. I'm loving you. So to try to put a positive spin, to use that love language. So, okay, what I want to do is challenge you in the last 30 seconds of this to give to someone an unexpected gift at an unexpected time. Not on their birthday, not on Valentine's, not at Christmas, not during Hanukkah but an unexpected gift and an unexpected time. You don't have to spend money, so I don't want to hear anybody grump that they can't afford it. You can afford to go cut wildflowers out there, right? Okay. Well, so thanks, everybody. Thank you so much for your calls and your listening. And if you'd like to hear this show again from the very beginning or all the way through or any past episodes, you can listen to the podcast on your favorite podcast app by searching Southern Remedy, Relatively Speaking. This show is a production of MPB Think Radio, engineered by Jay White. I'm Dr. Susan Buttress, and I hope you'll join us next Tuesday. Oh, and thanks to our call screener, um, Charles Arnold. Join us next Tuesday at 11 right here on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.